It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's show is brought to you in part by Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with 30 bucks off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering LOCKEDON at checkout. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for Indochino. Now I'm Googling Terrence Davis's butt. <laughs> Hello, welcome to episode number 584 of Locked On Raptors for, oh god, Thursday? Yeah, Thursday, October 17th. The short week is messing with my brain. Uh, I'm your your host, of course, Sean Woodley, the guy who doesn't know how to read a calendar. Uh, Thank you for being here. You can follow me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, to Locked On Raptors, wherever it is you get your podcasts. You can also follow the podcast at Locked On Raptors for links to every episode. And of course, the Lockdown Podcast Network has tons of stuff for you to check out. This week, we have been running our NBA season previews. They're extremely in-depth. It pretty much takes on every single person from the network, and it's great. The, the finished product is awesome. Uh, each division is previewed by all the different local hosts. David Locke is in there with some opinions and stats and stuff. Uh, Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko from the new Rejecting the Screen podcast are in there. Josh Lloyd from the Fantasy Podcast offers his take on every team. It is great. There is so, so much for you to get into on the Locked On NBA previews. And I was on Tuesday's episode for the Atlantic Division. I lead it off because, of course, the Raptors are champions and deserve top billing, of course, on any sort of preview podcast for the Atlantic Division. So make sure you check that out and subscribe, rate, and review to all the shows that you want to support on the network. If you're a hockey fan, we got more shows coming every single day. And we were, were like two-thirds of the way to filling out the entire roster of local hosts. So if you are looking for... Hockey content, make sure you're checking that out as well. All right, on today's show, we are joined by one of our favorites. Favorites? I just lost my breath. One of our favorites. (laughs) (laughs) One of our favorites. Uh, (laughs) It is is podcast superstar, Katie Heindel. Katie, how's it going? Good. I love that reaction. (laughs) If what? only everyone had that reaction when they they knew it was me. <laughs> <laughs> Just a loss of breath? <laughs> Total loss of breath. Maybe fainting. Just like a complete loss of control. Yeah. Well, hey, you're you're a podcast superstar. It's uh, you've been on making the rounds all week on all the shows that I'm in direct competition with. It's great. Appreciate it. No, just kidding. <laughs> the, your, your appearance with but Will. Given- Giving you shout-outs, you know? I, I appreciated that. Will tried to slag the podcast, even though uh, Will Lou has recorded an episode of this show in my kitchen in my old place in Toronto. He's complicit in all the nonsense that's happened on this show, going way back to like the first year it existed. Um, you were also on the Zoobs' podcast, but for sports, which is very good, and you've been awesome. And I'm very glad to see you're getting all those uh, podcast spots. Don't forget about us, Katie, when you, when you make it big. Never. Never. <laughs> uh, so I wanted, I wanted to have you on today. Uh, well, we have an agreement in place where you're on once a week, which uh, was sort of the... Yeah, it's true. 
But, you know, there's... Locked in to locked on. Uh, yeah. I'm going to clip that, and that's going to be the thing I play at the start of the show now uh, in place of <laughs> Am I Allowed to Say Balls to the Wall as the intro. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a rolling intro over the course of the season, and that, I think, maybe took the spot. Sorry, Kyle. Um, but no, I wanted to have you on today because lots of things have happened in training camp this week, and I haven't really talked much about it because uh, we didn't have a podcast Monday for the holiday. Tuesday, we did the trivia tournament final, which was great. And then yesterday, we talked about the Sixers with Adam Aronson from Liberty Ballers. You can go check those episodes out if you haven't yet. And we haven't really talked much about the actual Raptors and sort of the preseason happenings. Didn't really talk about the Bulls game, which I'm not really going to talk about the Bulls game because that was hardly basketball. I watched a little bit while I was with my family uh, for Thanksgiving, and uh, I was not terribly compelled. And so we don't have to spend too much time on that. But there's been some news over the last couple days, some fun quotes. Uh, Nick Nurse becoming a little bit more of a stern dad as opposed to a chill uncle, and a whole lot more. And Katie, I just wanted to have you on and go through all of it. Is there anything from this week in terms of training camp developments that has particularly piqued your interest? Anything of extreme note that you are uh, more interested than anything else? Yeah, I haven't talked yet about um, these, like, butt comments <laughs> Nick Nurse made. <laughs> oh, about Terrence so Davis's sh- butt? should start there. Okay, sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, like, I think I just sort of skimmed over this. Exactly what happened with Terrence Davis uh, and his butt and Nick Nurse talking about Terrence Davis's butt? Like, he, he said he wants everyone else to use their butts like Terrence Davis does or he wants Terrence Davis to use his butt like Kyle Lowry does oh yeah I think it was that he wants Terrence Davis to use his butt like Kyle and Fred do which I mean yeah so I think it's it's interesting and I'm into it and I also wonder is this the first time that um like butts are getting called out specifically and is it a good thing because this is something I feel like we talk about a lot that like is public knowledge and almost like public, uh, a part of public ownership is uh-huh. Kyle Lowry's butt. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not but is me. It good that now, yeah. Well, you know, um, is it good that now, like the front office is just like kind of making it official? Yeah, I'm a little interested uh, in their decision to go public with it, considering you know, butt analytics might be something that you would want to keep proprietary and in house. You know, there's so many analytics uh-huh. available at like NBA.com slash stats, but you would think stuff like this, maybe you would just be like, all right, Terrence, we're going to show you this in-house data we have about asses as opposed to, um, you know, <laughs> being outward with it. But I like it. I, I mean, if there are two guys whose bottoms are to be replicated, I guess it's Kyle and Fred. I'll, I've never really thought of Fred as much of a butt guy, though. I feel like it's just kind of the way he scoots around, but I didn't, I guess like, no, I don't think we're usually comparing like his butt to Lowry's butt because it's incomparable, <laughs> but now I'm Googling Terrence Davis's butt and I have to say there's no clear photos. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. It's just as inconclusive still. <laughs> Man, you're dropping way too many uh, sound nuggets for me to use at the start of this podcast now. I'm now Googling <laughs> Terrence Davis's butt. <laughs> um, Nothing comes up. You'd be surprised. Yeah, I mean, like, if they're going to try to have Terrence be the third point guard, which it sounds like is probably 
what the goal is here, although we'll get to another potential third point guard in a, in a second here, which is a thing that has piqued my interest from from the week of preseason developments. Um, I mean, trying to have Terrence Davis model his game after Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet certainly can't hurt. Um, and, you know, the butt is essential to what Kyle does, both on offense and defense. Although, I feel like we maybe sort of overplay Kyle's butt's impact on defense. I mean, unless we're using it as sort of in our brains, we're discussing it as like an anchor for his post defense, where maybe it is, maybe it's his butt that makes him so immovable for other bigger players trying to post him up. But, um, or maybe it's just like cushion for him to take charges with. Is that what we're sort of referring to it as with when it comes to his defense? Yeah, and I think there's kind of like you know a more mystical power to it <laughs> that you can't really <laughs> attribute to anything. Which is why I feel like, you know, Nurse, Nick Nurse, you can't just say, like, be like, be Kyle Lowry's butt that you want to see in the world because it's not that easy, man. Yeah, that is kind of like, you know, when Draymond Green happened and everyone was like, well, who's the next Draymond Green? But he's so unique. Kyle Lowry's butt is the Draymond Green of butts, I think. And, you know, uh-huh. often uh-huh. attempted to be imitated, but never truly replicated. Um, are there any other players on the Raptors who you think could benefit <laughs> from Nick Nurse's uh, advice to go butt first? Um, like maybe Gasol. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like especially because if they're gonna if they want to like limit his minutes, if he's gonna take it easy a little bit going into the start of the season, that's kind of an easy way for him to like use his body in a more casual way mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah uh also i was looking at uh i think jacob mack our pal from uh, raptors hq tweeted out a graphic showing marcus po- uh, points per possession on post-ups last season it was like 0.56 which is insanely bad and I wonder if maybe that's not because he is not really sort of channeling the butt enough in a post-up. He seems to be sort of like all arms in his post-ups as opposed to really sort of digging in with the posterior. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, yeah. I, I get it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about butts a lot more on this podcast than I thought we would. <laughs> that's okay. It's a good thing to lead with as uh, Nick Nurse was trying to get some players to do so we can move on i just think we had to give it its, its due <laughs> uh. no matter what moves you made last year turbo tax experts make them count did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse that's a move did you go back to school to get your degree that's a move did you relocate for a fresh start Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. File with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. All right, let's uh, carry on to some other happenings from the preseason this week. Uh, if I can get back focused and not have visions of butts in my head. Um, oh, so today Nick Nurse was talking about some funky lineups. I mentioned 
you know, Terrence Davis figures to be the easy third point guard right now, unless you, are there other guys on the roster who you think are maybe more in line for those? I don't think there should be, but um, yeah, Terrence Davis seems like the guy, but oh, maybe a bit of a workaround to the team's lack of a clear backup point guard or third string point guard is the very large guy who tends to run a lot of fast breaks on his own and has a bit of a handle himself in Pascal Siakam. And Nick Nurse was talking today about how they've been running in practice a little bit uh, with Pascal Siakam playing as the point guard. He said he thinks it's going to work if he's flanked by Norm Powell and Matt Thomas on the wings. I guess that's sort of within mind transition opportunities and stuff like that. Those guys being able to catch you know passes on the, on the fly and, and throw up threes and stuff like that. I was wondering, Katie, does this interest you? Are you here for super bizarre Pascal Siakam-led lineups? And how would you complete that lineup if you were Nick Nurse, if you assume the 1, 2, and 3 are Pascal, Matt Thomas, and Norm Powell? Yeah, I'm 100% here for it. Um, I think it is... I think Pascal, like, from what we've seen from him, there's, like, really no sort of limit to his, like, versatility and usability on court. I really like trying to, like you know he's already such like i don't know not even beyond a three-dimensional player so yeah i think you know whatever you can do he can totally he's got the capacity to like round it out a bit more um i think it's very funny that he's like yeah he can do it so long as he's flanked by these specific guys <laughs> these two marginal wings Matt Thomas, which yeah. like i'm not yeah he's like it won't work unless he has them as his like pillars of support so sure <laughs> fine i wouldn't necessarily pick them but that's okay um i don't know i like i like pascal at, at point i think he could do a good job with it um how i would round it out like oh i don't know like do i want to give him some like jumbo jumbo support like with like mark you know and mm-hmm. surge at once or would i want to keep it like small and speedy I was thinking small and speedy. Like, yeah. Yeah. I kind of like the idea of OG in there. Mhm. And then hell, just why not why not Fred? Fred at center. Put Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make I mean, it sure. super weird. Yeah, like positionless <laughs> basketball. It's 2019-2020. I mean, it, positions can be thrown out the window at this point. Um, There's no plan anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I I said OG as well in my sort of thinking about this on the internet. I said OG at the four, and then I threw around the idea of just getting super fast and athletic and strange and saying Chris Boucher. Maybe that's how you get him some minutes in those funky-ass lineups. Maybe these are nights where you start bigger and you have like Serge and Gasol in there as your starting front court. Pascal at the three, and then you sort of sub him out a little early bring him in with the bizarro run fast second unit with Norm and Matt Thomas and then throw in OG alongside our pal uh, Chris Boucher. Bob's your uncle or something. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, though. I, now I'm thinking about this and I don't actually know. I'm like, please tell me your opinion. Yeah. Who's the fastest Raptor now? It's Pascal, I think. He's like one of the fastest guys so in too. the league. He's so fast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is Pascal. But now he has, like, more of a control on the speed, whereas before he used to just kind of run. It was almost like when you learn to skate and you just skate and, like, fall into the boards yeah, yeah. to stop. Yeah. That's, like, kind of how he was with his legs. 
But it is Pascal, so it's like it's tough to try and think of who could keep up with him. Yeah, that's why I don't really think like Mark really works because I don't think Mark feels like running very much. Um, and, no, I mean Surge is pretty. I can't see Mark really running until like February. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he can run. He's still uh, probably latently hungover on account of the rosé. Um, yeah. yeah. So, He's still sloshing rosé around in his bloodstream. <laughs> uh, the thing that I like about what Nurse said about this lineup and sort of what he said yesterday too, in that they were running out the very big lineup with OG at the two, Pascal at the three, Surge and Gasol up front, and then Larry at point. I mean, I'm, th- I'm there for that too. Like, get as weird as you want because, as we've talked about, it's not as though this season is pressure-filled. And I do think... They're going to be looking for ways to tap into a little bit of a higher upside, I think. And mm-hmm. ways you can do that is, you know, get a little unorthodox, get creative, try to maximize your matchups as best as you possibly can. And if there's a matchup that calls for you to go super big and maybe a little bit light on shooting, but you're enormous and good at defense, then go with that. Like maybe they run that out against the Sixers, for example, whereas against a smaller team, they'll they'll get a little weirder and throw Pascal the ball and have him be the backup point guard after they start Fred. Um, I, I I was really concerned about the lack of a backup point guard in the event that Fred does start, and we can get to the starting lineup questions in a second, but I this Pascal idea has me a little bit intrigued, at least. I, I mean, I'm not expecting it to be completely without hiccups, because I'm sure Pascal okay. is going to have his growing pains this season, as I've talked about before on this show. Um, but, like, if you don't think... First of all, if you're not asking him to run a lot of high pick and roll anyway, even when he's not the nominal point guard, I think you're kind of missing an opportunity to see what you have. Like this is this season is entirely about seeing what Pascal is, and if you're not giving him those reps, then I don't really know what you're doing. And you know, seeing if you can get more out of him as a, as a lead ball handler. I mean, we've seen big guys be able to sort of run an offense before, Giannis and Ben Simmons and stuff. He can shoot better than both of those guys. So uh, why the hell not? Just see how it works in a season where there aren't really stakes at all. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's he's like he's such a hybrid player that like with his body type and what we talked about with his speed, you forget that he's big and he got even bigger this mm-hmm. summer. So you don't really anticipate dudes like that being able to move the way he does. So again, like I think anything nurse can do this year to maximize his versatility, he's got to do it. And like, given that he's potentially probably going to get this very huge bag soon, mm-hmm. you really want to see like, you want to see what you're getting and what he's capable of, which I think is like everything, but <laughs> that's just me. Yeah, no, I am with you. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. 
Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Let's get into the contract extension stuff. That came out yesterday from Chris Haynes. Of course, Chris Haynes, famous for saying Kawhi didn't want to come to Toronto uh, and might not report. So I'm not disparaging Chris Haynes. I just like to dunk on him a little bit there. He's liked tweets where I have made fun of him for saying that before. So I don't feel bad about referring to it. Anyway, uh, I guess he was right in the end anyway. But I digress. Uh, (laughs) He did uh, report that the Raptors and Pascal Siakam are almost certainly going to come to an agreement on an extension before the deadline on the 21st. I was kind of surprised to see that, honestly, just because I didn't think it was that pressing for the Raptors to get it done. I figured see what you have in him this year, and then next year you're probably going to take care of him anyway. You have more flexibility if you don't do it right now and you go into next summer with just his cap hold on the books and you can sort of order your transactions in a way that you know works for the cap and all that stuff. But I don't know. I've kind of talked myself into the idea of just like paying him up front and just saying, all right, like we trust you and here you go. I'm wondering what you think, Katie. I know you've talked about this on a couple platforms now, but uh, what are your thoughts on the idea of giving Pascal the extension that maybe seems a little bit premature uh, to sort of cap watching people? But, you know, maybe there's some arguments for it as well. Yeah, like you, I didn't think that it was necessary in the sense of it like being so urgent. But the more that I've sort of had time to think about that, though it's funny because it hasn't really happened yet. It, we're still speculating. Um, <laughs> but it's the kind of thing that, like, if you're going to incentivize a player like Lowry um, and give him, like, that kind of well-deserved payout, and then you want to turn around and, like, make it pretty public, what we all have already been talking about, that, like, Pascal's going to be the pillar um, a foundation in which you like continue to build the franchise around. He's like the future face of the franchise. Like we all talk about those things, but you know, how do you secure that? Like you pay him, mm-hmm. uh, and like you secure that long-term contract. So I think like it's super incentivizing, not just for him, but I think it also like sort of signals what the franchise is about more like league wide and culture wide, mm-hmm. which I don't actually see any downsides to that. And, like, realistically, for cap people, if you're like, oh, we're screwed now, like, who can we get next summer? Like, realistically, you know, I know we all have our, like, blue sky hopes and dreams, but (laughs) I don't know that this is the time that they would be going after, like, a Giannis player. Not to say it can't happen, but I think, like, you've got to... The way that the Raptors have always worked really well, you know, is, like, by supporting and rewarding the core mm-hmm. of the team. Um, and even now, like with the championship under its belt, I still think there's like really no downside to that because you, you're going to have people like other players in the league that are going to look to this team and be like, oh shit, you know, like they really develop guys, they take care of them, like they, you know, they, they treat them what they're worth. Um, so I don't know. I think from just like a, a player autonomy perspective, it's super it's super important and I think it's great. Um, and I don't actually think it really limits the team that badly 
to be honest. No, it only limits them. There's still room for like some interesting gets, you know? Yeah, it only limits them next summer, really, because they don't have much money on the books after, like they have Lowry next year and like he'll be off before 2021, which is the big summer anyway, right? And then Mm -hmm. like that's when Giannis is there. That's when all the free agents are there. And that is what they are very clearly building towards. And that's kind of what they implied they were building towards when they signed Kyle to that contract too, and, like, with every single day, it seems like fewer and fewer interesting players are now available next summer. It's all pretty much RFAs and, like, Fred. And, like, that's the free agent class. It's not very good. And so I – like, you're not really costing yourself that much opportunity by locking in Siakam now to a bigger number because, like, what is that cap hold and sort of order of operations maneuvering going to get you next summer – Maybe like an overpay for Jalen Brown, and maybe you don't want to do that. And maybe this is preventing you from doing sort of the thing that a lot of teams do and sort of protecting you from yourself where, oh, we have the money, let's spend it, even though there's not really a reasonable place to spend it wisely. And so I was on the fence about giving it to him ahead of time. And I do think there's still, you know, a chance that maybe he's not up to sort of the role of being the number one guy on a team, but we've already seen that he can very clearly be like a number two on a championship team and you still pay that guy the max, especially considering his max is less than what a, what a real like sort of full max is for a veteran player. You're not like really sort of committing that. I mean, yes, it's like a lot of years and yes, it's a lot of money, but really what are you like trying to nickel and dime them for? Are you trying to save an extra 5 million? Like is that extra 5 million really going to matter in the long term? And will that extra $5 million be worth it if you are perceived to be sort of dicking the guy around when he clearly is the guy you're building around? There's no secret about that. And if you wait till next summer, maybe that does lose you a little bit of goodwill with Siaka. Maybe that does make him more likely to go out and sign an offer sheet with some team that will kind of screw you. Maybe it's like an offer sheet that will be difficult to move down the line or has a weird structure to it or whatever. And like to just control it yourself now and also show good goodwill to the player, I think, has sort of become my stance on it. And I am a little bit more pro-extension now than I was before, say, the Lowry thing, when it seemed like maybe next summer there were more possibilities. I don't think there are really that many possibilities next summer now, so I'm very yeah. cool with it. I think you're just like, you're not paying, to, what, to your point just about, like, you know, is he ready? I don't think he is yet, but I also think that's fine because I think something like this is more representative of like you're paying for the future rights on this player. Yeah. You know, like you're paying for kind of like the privilege and the opportunity to have what he develops into still be secured on, on your team. Yeah. Um, and I think like, again, like to what Nurse is doing now, if he wants to like throw him around in like different rotations and really see what he's capable of, like even that's even more like signaling to me that like they're really like they're they're leveraging like all this money on somebody's future, but it's like a future that is pretty much guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's probably going to have some like really cool surprises because like when you look at, you know, like just like the, his growth over the past two seasons. And if you think even if he's fractionally anywhere close to that this season, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is. And like, I guess the downside is that you get locked into a deal for a guy who ends up disappointing, but like, like what's the floor for Pascal at this point? He's again already scored like 19 points a game during a finals run and been great and gone against like insane defenses and is a very good defender himself. So like 
those qualifications alone, like it's not going to be an Andrew Wiggins situations where you're sitting there with one of the worst contracts in the league. It's going to be a deal yeah. that is at the very worst, just sort of like neutral in terms of being able to deal. And then you just have Pascal Siakam on your team and that's fine because whatever he ends up being, it's going to be something good because of like, I just, I, I believe in what we've seen so far and I believe in sort of what I've seen early on in the preseason. I know it's just preseason, but like, it looks like he's taking steps as well, and they're going to give him every opportunity to take all the steps he needs to this year. So even if there are growing pains this season, like, those growing pains are going to be pains on the path to something better than he is right now. And honestly, I'm cool paying with what he, like, paying what he is right now, that money, considering what he's done and considering the sort of ramifications in terms of taking care of your guys. Because, man, the, the NBA is different now. It's not about just being like a big fancy team it's about being competent and proving that you're competent and if you can prove that you're competent and prove that you take care of guys that's going to benefit you down the road for sure and we could probably leave that there i uh hope we see this happen by monday now in a way that i was not expecting to hope a couple weeks ago but the way things are broken (laughs) i think i'm very cool with it and i will easily make my peace with it uh last couple things here katie we should probably get into nick nurse becoming not so much the cool uncle who sneaks you whiskey, but becoming more of a stern dad type when it comes to the end of bench guys. He keeps talking about like the core seven, which we know it's the you know Kyle, Pascal, Gasol, Ibaka, Van Vliet, Powell, and uh, OG. Like those are the guys who are going to be guaranteed rotation spots. I think that's pretty clear, and you know some number of starts between all of them. But the rest is very unsure. And, of course, Nick Nurse yesterday uh, with his new best quote when he was asked about whether Stanley Johnson and Ronda Hellish Jefferson are fitting in well. And he went, nope, 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 nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> And then went on a big thing about schemes and all that. Uh, what were the your thoughts? The sheriff in town. The sheriff in town. <laughs> he's put the guitar down and replaced it with uh, a, a billy club. Uh, <laughs> That's like a British cop. <laughs> no, I hey, like, he used I to coach like there. Like, yeah, he's mm. like spit polished his spurs and stuck them on his boots. <laughs> uh, he's like got his lasso out. He's swigging it slowly. <laughs> this town ain't big enough for the both of you, Stan and Rondé. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, what were um, your thoughts on uh, on Nurse getting a little stern with the guys who uh, don't want to play defense? I liked it. I thought it was like I I thought it was great. Yeah. Um, I think it was like our buddy James, uh, who said James or Bear, what's up, buddy? Um, that it was he thought it was refreshing, and I have to agree. In like a preseason where everything is just, like, about the hype, mm-hmm. like, this kind of, like, unfounded hype of, like, every team. No team wants to be the first one to say things aren't working because the whole thing is that everybody is supposed to be, like, we're amazing. We can't wait for the season to start. We're ready. Everyone's muscles instead are huge. Being, yeah. <laughs> instead of being honest, which is, like, I'm sure every single team is going through similar growing pains because there isn't really a team who didn't acquire someone uh, in this off season. To be like, you know what? It's not really working. Or like mm. some things are still kind of up in the air. Like we're figuring it out. Uh, so I think in that way, it's really refreshing to hear him say it. I think like it's also just like even from like, – he's I think as far as like front offices go, he's a pretty straightforward coach. You mm-hmm. know, it seems like you can get 
a lot out of him. Um, not just like soundbite wise, but I think there's a certain level of clarity. Uh, he doesn't really like hold things super close, mm-hmm. but even this is like the, him just being so critical and like, so out in the open, I think one, it's like ma- mainly, I think it's to light a fire under these guys publicly. Totally. So they've really got no excuse to rest on their laurels or whatever. But I also think it's like, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to just like, I think we're so used to not giving, to not hearing honest criticism mm-hmm. that you, that something like this can seem so radical. <laughs> like, <laughs> when in reality, it's just like, he's just saying like, he's not happy. Yeah. And as a coach, like that's a huge part of his job too, right? Totally. I so, think, sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, carry on. No, no, no. I'm just like, I'm into it. If the sheriff's in town, like... <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, a really nice sign. I think the fact that those guys aren't just being handed jobs. I mean, it seems like Patrick McCaw's being handed a job, which I don't really understand or necessarily agree with. But um, even then, he's not been sort of the subject of all of Nick Nurse's praise the way the main seven guys have been, which was another big part of that presser yesterday. Uh, was him just talking about how, man, I just love these seven guys. They're so awesome. They went to the finals. They they like know exactly what we're running. They're great. I feel so confident and trustworthy with them. And that's really encouraging. And I think it's kind of indicative of sort of the very clear difference in level when you end up going to win a title. And like you, all the guys kind of realize exactly what you got to be. Whereas like Rondé Hollis Jefferson has been playing on the Nets and Stanley Johnson's been on the Pistons and like a tanking Pelicans team. And they just don't really seem to have any clue of sort of the next level of like focus and intensity and all that stuff that is required if you're going to do something like anything meaningful, you know, late in the season. And so, yeah, I, I just, I liked everything Nurse said yesterday. He's a straight shooter, like you said. I think hopefully this... A, I, I like that it doesn't sort of – he's not guaranteeing those guys minutes, so it means maybe some other guys can earn their way in. He's talked pretty glowingly of like Malcolm Miller, who I think probably stands a pretty good chance of making the team right now, um, considering the struggles of the other wings. And it does sort of indicate that Nurse himself is not going to rest on the laurels of the title in a way that I would probably be okay with, but he's going to yell at guys to play defense and not sort of slack. And I think that is good to have from your coach and – I think maybe there was this impression of Nurse last season where, you know, there was sort of, I think, maybe like a bit of an undercurrent of him being a bit of a pushover because, you know, Kawhi came in and it has load management and Nurse was just kind of there to make sure nobody was mad. And I don't think that's the case anymore. I think, you know, he's proven, I mean, he proved in the in the postseason that he's a very good coach, first of all. And I think now he gets the chance to prove that, like, no, he's not just there to be like the stooge of a superstar and a front office trying to keep said superstar. He can actually sort of like put the boots to the guys a little bit and be a bit of like an authoritarian. And I don't think he's going to be like screaming at dudes like Tom Thibodeau, but I do think having a nice balance is very good and is a, a nice way to go about going into a season where there's sort of a clear rift between the main guys on your team and the guys who are trying to catch up to those guys and sort of using comments like yesterday to sort of bridge that gap, I think is a pretty smart way to go about it. So very pro yeah, stern I mean, nurse. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like frankly, you know, um, like Stanley and Ronde, like you, the, you gotta remember too, like these aren't like G league gets, you know, like they, yeah, they maybe came from teams where they weren't getting that much play or like the teams themselves weren't, super competitive 
but they're still supposed to be theoretically at a level where they could just kind of like come in and be swapped in and like get put in the rotations and do the work. But yeah. like, you know, it's a bit telling that they're not. And it's a bit telling that the guys that, you know, from the Raptors side that have come up through the G league are understand the steps, understand what the team sort of work ethic is, how everybody puts in work, how nobody, but nobody really like chills on court. Um, and I think it's also like, it's something that ultimately I think as fans of the Raptors, like you got to feel good about because mm-hmm. it's something I think we totally take for granted, just like the general grittiness and work ethic of the team. But then when you see someone who doesn't really fit that bill, you're like, Oh yeah, like this is a super, even before the championship and now even more so, mm-hmm. this is like a super high caliber team. I would love to see someone from like the Phoenix Suns just dropped into Raptors camp. <laughs> like here Devin Booker just have fun going honestly, against honestly I don't think Devin Booker I was just going to say it so I'm glad you did but I don't think he could cut it no he'd be so upset he got mad for more being complaints about getting double teamed yeah oh <laughs> uh, boy the sons gotta love them gotta love them uh, alright quickly here Katie because we're going a little bit long but there was a lot to get to from this week. Let's quickly touch on sort of the battle for the last few roster spots. Uh, Sagaba Kanate was waived yesterday. It sounds like he's going to probably play for the G League. He was on an Exhibit 10 deal, which guarantees him a certain amount of money if he goes and reports to the G League after getting waived. So I would imagine he'll be down there. Uh, that leaves or that left 19 players in camp until today. They signed Matt Morgan, who was a bit of a gunner type at Cornell, averaged like 22 points on like 43% three-point shooting this season. That's interesting. He played for them in Summer League. I don't think he's going to factor in for uh, like a guaranteed roster spot, but maybe a two-way, uh, which I think probably is the reason they would have brought him in. And so there are two two-ways left. There are 20 guys in camp now. There are 15 regular roster spots. I think 12 guys are guaranteed. And then Chris Boucher is not on a guaranteed contract, but I'm pretty sure he's going to be on the team. So there's essentially two spots left between... Isaiah Taylor, Campaign, O'Shea Brissett, Devin Robinson, Matt Morgan. I th- am I think I'm missing anybody else? I'm probably missing somebody else. But those are, seem to be sort of the guys who are in the mix there for those spots. Uh, Katie, if you had your druthers, who would get <laughs> roster spots thirteen or 14 to 15 as well as the two two-way spots? Mm, I think you got like, you know, I think Boucher, they're not done with him. No. And I don't think they should be. Um, like, I'm still, like, jury's out for me 100% on Boucher, but I feel like you got to give him one of those spots just for the amount of work he's put in with the team and the team's put in with him. Um, I weirdly am not completely unsold on Cameron Payne. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> if only because I... Something about him was very captivating for me in the offseason, mostly because when you Google image him, all the pictures of him shooting, he has fingers and hands in like positions of like a magician doing a trick <laughs> <laughs> or like an artist stepping back from the canvas. Like he's doing like he's got a real strange style. So mm-hmm. I like that for the team. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then I don't know, who else do we got? Frankly, just like roll the, to me, I'm like roll the dice. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what it is. I, uh, for me, 
I am not terribly enthused by campaign as like a basketball player, but a little part of me is saying, hey, maybe keep him around because he seems like a pretty fun like bench celebration guy. And honestly, I'm not looking for much more out of the 15th guy on the roster. Like, especially if like Terrence Davis and Pascal are the backup or third string point guards, campaign will never play. He'll just be there to dance, which I can get on board with. I'm fine with that. Like, you're not getting utility out of that spot anyway, really. So I don't really think there's any downside to him getting that spot. Uh, like, I, So I, you'll join my campaign for campaign. I will join your campaign for campaign. Um, <laughs> I will say I, I don't really – I think he's probably getting cut just because I think Malcolm Miller is going to make the team. I think he deserves to. I think – He's been so sort of hard done by by injuries in oh, his time yeah. with the team. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Malcolm. Don't yeah. roll the dice on Malcolm. <laughs> Sign Malcolm. Yeah, I think he's going to be around even though he's non-guaranteed. I, I think with the struggles of the other wings and sort of his ability to actually shoot threes, which other guys can't really do, I think he deserves a look. He's been kind of hard done by by injuries. And then like last year he got hurt in preseason. And then by the time he came back, this was a championship level team that had already figured out his rotation. He never really had a chance. So... I I like Malcolm Miller. Just keep him around. And then Dewan Hernandez, I would assume, is going to get that last spot too. So I think campaign's probably in tough. And that leaves the two two-way spots. Campaign's not eligible for one of those because of his time in the league and stuff like that. Um, and then it's like, I think O'Shea Brissett's probably guaranteed one of them, considering how he's played. And considering that like he had a relationship with Nurse uh, with Team Canada in the summer and you know it seems like it makes some sense he's very good defensively and all that stuff work on him down in the G League whatever um, and then I guess the other like the, the second two-way spots now like Isaiah Taylor and now Matt Morgan and I would assume that because Matt Morgan's coming in so late late he probably is more earmarked for that spot than Isaiah Taylor do you have any strong opinions about these guys none sorry guys <laughs> I know I don't have any either it's uh, so, so like it's they're fine. Uh, yeah. I'm not super. I just. I Nothing wish. Against them. No, no. I wish. <laughs> I wish Stanley Johnson wasn't on the team. Because then it, things would be a little easier to like fit all these guys in and have campaign dance and not also have to worry I'm about just like, watching Stanley Johnson. I'm not done. I'm not done with Stanley either. I mean, despite this poor showing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not done with his jean jacket. So I'm not <laughs> done with the, I feel like he's just got that good. Like what you were saying just about like, not necessarily like a, a bench dancer vibe, but just like, he's got that vibe where he could fit in very well with the team. Yeah. Like culturally. I don't know. There's still something there. I feel it. Yeah. Whether I'll... he feels it. <laughs> I'll believe it uh, if he responds to the scolding from Nurse. But mm-hmm. if we don't see it soon, I, I fear we're not really going to see it very much. Um, I think that's probably a good place to leave it, though. We've covered a lot of ground today, Katie. We've gone far too long, but that's to be expected when we spend the first 12 minutes talking about butts. Everything's going to get pushed back a little bit. Uh, Katie, you <laughs> Just have... Just like what butts do on the court. <laughs> defensively <laughs> oh my god uh what do you got to plug katie you have lots of things to plug as i understand you're you're very very busy right now what do you got going on yeah i'm super busy um basketball feelings as always come on over come on board 
<laughs> doing this podcast with you regularly. Yes. Plugging the hell out of that. <laughs> um, doing a lot of work and writing with Dime Mag and Uprox. Um, the last thing I wrote there, very depressing, but worth your time, just about how uh, assault and abuse allegations against players and coaches in the NBA get kind of pushed off with the preseason from stuff that's happened in the off season uh, and how we all kind of willingly forget about these really important things that we should keep the dialogue going on just because basketball's starting doesn't mean that those things have ended. Um, did I miss anything? Uh, no, I think you've oh. covered all your podcast <laughs> appearances, I suppose. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, oh, and I, and I'm going to be, um, if you're familiar with Hoop Talks, the uh, the great panel, the great occasional, pretty regular panel uh, that me and a lot of your faves appear on, uh, Hoop Talks is going to be starting a newsletter, a regular newsletter, and I will be writing it. So awesome. you should also subscribe to that. Amazing. Can't wait for that. Read Katie's piece at Uprocks uh, that she just mentioned. It's uh, very good. Just because Chris Stapps Porzingis is back on the court and doing dunks does not mean he does not have some very heinous shit hanging over his head. And uh, please listen to Katie's words because Katie's very smart and uh, excellent at this. And thank you so much, Katie. This was a lot of fun. And we will, I'm sure, talk about butts again very soon. Uh, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. Please subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. If you have yet to purchase We the Champs and you want to have it at your side as the Raptors get their rings and they lift the banner on Tuesday, you can still order it and probably get it in time, really, if you get express shipping uh, from Indigo and TriumphBooks.com and uh, the other evil website that owns everything. And uh, that's going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow, we're going to be dropping our annual over-unders and prop bets with myself, Vivek, and Sahal Abdi, which should be a lot of fun. And hopefully Vivek and his perch atop the championship tower of prop bets for the last two years can be uh, undone because he wins everything. He won the trivia tournament too. So we have our, our work cut out for him to take him down this year. But here's hoping that we will. Stay tuned for that. It'll drop uh, early Friday morning, so keep an ear or an eye out or whatever it is you do to find podcasts. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.